0: Hello and welcome to this episode of the Vision Rehab Podcast. My name is Steve Kelly and I'm a Certified Vision Rehabilitation Therapist and in these podcasts we'll be discussing issues related to both vision loss and blindness. Thanks for joining me today. Thanks for joining me today on Low Vision Tech Topics. My name is Steve Kelly, and I'm a certified vision rehabilitation therapist based in Maine. And today's topic is going to be a copy of a presentation that I gave at this year's Association for Vision Rehabilitation Therapists, or AVRT, on November 12th, 2020. And the topic was using assistive technology techniques for remote learning. Thanks, and I hope you enjoy it. Well, Ian, thank you so much. I really appreciate the um, the intro here and 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 ABRT as well. This is a great opportunity, so thanks, everyone. And for those of you folks joining today, this is this is terrific. Um, so, just a little bit about myself um, by way of a bio. I've I've got um, a master's degree in rehab counseling and one in blindness rehabilitation. I worked at the um, Iris Network in Maine for approximately 12 years before uh, changing over to Hadley about a year and a half ago. Um, so that's uh, primarily most of my experience and my remote experience. I know this doesn't sound like it's it's remote, but at the Iris Network we had a center-based program for a while, and a lot of the material was self-based, so um, self-paced. So um, a lot of this um, comes from, from that experience and and I'll just share it as we as we go forward. Um, if we can go to the second slide, the the intro, that's great. So just a little bit about myself um, a little bit more than what I just just gave you because, I think it's pertinent in terms of talking about the audience. Most of my experience has been with with uh, older clients and um, have been some transition folks, certainly in the rehab center. Um, but on this slide, I want you first to, to think about these statistics, and I prom—I promise you won't have a whole lot of statistics here, but let's just take a moment to, to look at some of these. So for individuals who are 65 and older. Um, they're, the Internet users in that population total about 67 percent, and in the same population, 65 and older, um, their broadband use is about 51 percent. When we go up to the age of 80 and over, the Internet use drops to about 44 percent, and broadband drops down to 28 percent. Now these numbers are from Pew Research, and these statistics are for just the general uh, general public uh general population and um my question at the beginning of this is really going to be what happens to these users after a vision loss you know where does that 67% internet use go after a person has uh, a vision loss and has some difficulty seeing the computer screen. What about that 80 year old statistic where we've got 44%? So the story, my personal story is, is relevant in the sense that um, uh, prior to 2007, uh, well, I take that back, prior to about 2005, I really didn't have much experience in vision rehab other than what was done with me. And, um, you know, in 1990, I was a circulation director at a small newspaper uh, that was a New York Times paper and uh, started getting into the computer probably about 91 or 92. And at that point, I guess I would call myself sort of an early adopter. I think I was using bulletin board systems in the Internet before a lot of people knew what it was and writing about it. So... Even though I never would have considered myself an expert with the computer, I felt like it was pretty familiar territory I was very comfortable with it um, and you know I was somebody who never had perfect vision per se it was probably about 2030 because I've always been a high myope um, but you know 2030 is, is is really very very adequate never had any trouble seeing the computer screen with my my glasses and that sort of thing um, but about towards the end of the 1990s and and, um, about 2001, um, I started having difficulty with my vision, had uh, some experimental surgery that was done. It was myopic degeneration. So there were just some retinal bleeds. And all of this was in a way pretty unexpected. And during the process, um, you know, I, I vividly can remember sitting at my computer one day and and that's what i was doing at that time i had changed jobs i was working for a company called digital research and uh, we had clients like disney um and uh, so i was doing a lot of uh, creating web pages and doing statistical analysis and a lot of spreadsheet stuff and i remember looking at my computer screen one day and realizing i i couldn't see the stuff on the computer screen i was using a handheld magnifier um it, it wasn't working i mean i just was not uh able to be efficient with it i you know i cobbled together a couple of things but you know before before the whole before the whole meltdown and i'll spare you the details of that but before the whole meltdown um you know i had cobbled together a few things but i but i ended up losing that job and the bottom line is i feel like um and by the way i wasn't 65 at the time uh I feel like for someone like me who was pretty comfortable with the computer, if I could get to a point where the computer suddenly became alien territory, this could be the case for virtually anybody. So let's take a look at these statistics one more time. And my question is to you, how many of those folks, you know, it's not going to be 67 percent and it's not going to be 44 percent. I'm guessing it's going to be 20, 25% and maybe 15%. The bottom line here is a lot of these folks after a vision loss are just going to have a really difficult time getting back to using the computer. And we're going to have to think about something else. We're going to have to come up with another solution. Can I get the next slide, please? And the next slide is after an acquired vision loss. So you know, when when we talk about a lot of this remote learning, I notice and I include myself, I mean the first thing we seem to turn to is Zoom, YouTube, email, you know, we you know it's how how can we deliver this stuff remotely using our Electronic gadgets on our computer. And I think that we're missing a lot of these people. Um, they're going to get there. There's no question about it, or a lot of them will. But what are we going to do in the meantime? Um, so we've got to, we, we need to, to look at some other way of getting these folks up and running. Let's go to slide four. So one of the things that, that I've been talking about, and if, you, if you've if you seen another presentation of mine in the past, you'll, you'll know I'm beating a dead horse here. I oftentimes talk about the least common denominators uh, for a lot of these folks. And what I mean by this is, what is it that someone is going to have access to after a vision loss and for a short time afterwards? Sure, you know, Um, A lot of these folks are going to get back to using their iPhone, iPad, whatever. But in that short term, I think we have to start looking at things like large print, uh, audio files, easy to use digital recorders and that old favorite of ours, the Talking Books Player. So these are the solutions that people are going to be able to get their hands on pretty quickly. you know it's not real high tech it's it's kind of boring um you know and after watching uh william's presentation yesterday I, you know i feel like such a luddite talking about this because he he was just talking about some real great um uh medium like uh, di- different content systems that could be used like moodle and that sort of thing and that is truly terrific. If somebody has the skills to get back on the computer and use it. But I think a lot of these folks just are not there le- yet. So one of the first things that I think we can talk about in terms of remote learning, and I'm sure that a lot of you folks are, are doing that, it's just large print. And one of the things that I remember doing for years um, at the agency was we would use, um, we would create like a contact list or an address list, um, one sheet of paper per contact, and we would use 60, 72 point font, so it was really big and bold, and we would put things like, you know, our contact information, the number for the division for the blind and visually impaired within the state, cares for advocacy, um, and that sort of thing, so you kind of get the idea, and the beautiful thing about something like that is, yeah, it's really simple. You know, you think about, you know, can I create a lesson with it? Well, you can certainly create a a beginning lesson that can also be mailed to somebody free matter for the blind. So the beauty, the beauty of that is that it's also really inexpensive. One of the things that I would add to it, if you don't already have it, and this is not on the PowerPoint, is for a lot of these people who are just kind of getting back into technology. Let's make sure that they have the phone number for Apple accessibility. And uh, you can always look that up, but I'll give it to you quickly here. That's 877-204-3930. Put that on a sheet of paper in in large print. And the other one that you may want to offer to folks is Microsoft Disability Hotline. And that number is 800-936-5900. And in both of those cases, if you're new to those phone numbers, um, well, I'll speak about Apple, I'm not sure about the Microsoft one, and I've used both. The Apple number is available 24-7, and as long as you're using some form of accessibility on the Mac or iOS, you're in. That that opens the gate for you, they'll ask you what you're using when you first call. I've I've used them, I can't even remember how many times, with clients, with myself. They're terrific. They're patient, they're great with the clients, they're easy to understand. Microsoft disability numbers hmm, is not at the same caliber, but they're getting there. Um, So if you do do this, if you do the large print, make sure your your folks have got those numbers because they sure will come in handy while they're trying to work on this stuff remotely. Next slide, please, five. The next thing we may want to take a look at is audio delivery. How can we deliver something that somebody can listen to. And I'm gonna start off here with a little story. This is something I heard a couple of weeks ago from a learner who called, she was using one of the Hadley workshops with her client and she was a caregiver. And um, she was a lot of fun to talk to. Um, She was not a technology person, but she was trying. And she was working with a gentleman who was in his 80s, who was not a real proficient computer user had recently lost vision and was just trying to get himself back up to speed using his iPhone. And, of course, we're in the middle of COVID. So what she finally decided would work was she logged in, created a login for herself at Hadley, would play one of the workshops um, over the phone to this gentleman, and she just called him up on a landline, and, you know, he'd tell her to stop. They'd talk about some of the stuff. She would rewind it if necessary. And that's how they did their lessons. And I just thought, I don't know, it just, you know, I was smiling the whole time I talked to her because I thought, what a creative way to do something. I mean, she just really hung in there with it and it was working. He was making progress and she was learning a little bit more about the the uh, about the iPhone that he was working on. So, you know, that's just one way and it's it's pretty simple. Another, another way of audio delivery, and we kind of heard this yesterday in Nancy's presentation, where you kind of have volunteer leaders. Um, and this was something that we, we discussed at the agency but never implemented was using an iPad for a FaceTime. And of course, now we're, we're talking about Zoom. But if there's a family member that can you know has an iPad or an iPhone available and the trainer, whoever that happens to be, you can set something up with facetime it's pretty pretty easy to do it may be out of the reach of a lot of clients but if you've got a helper in there of some for some form or another that's a great way to do it um, then of course uh, the the next bullet point is the dumb old phone doesn't have to be a smartphone you just pick up the phone and a lot of folks you know that's their go-to thing i don't know how many are using landlines these days but i, I think enough are you don't need to have anything special. No apps required. Just pick up the phone. And now, the, the next point I'd like to make is, so l- let's say we do want to get to a little higher tech. After all, this has got this presentation has got some some uh, CEUs available. So we we should talk a little bit more about technology. There are two file formats if we want to create something for our clients. And um, these file formats are important for you to remember. Wink, wink, nod, nod. The file formats are MP3s and WAV, W-A-V. And the only reason that I'm bringing these up, I mean, normally we don't have to remember file formats, but these formats are the ones that most devices are going to play. And most importantly, I think, is that these are both file formats that our talking book players, our clients talking book players are going to play. So whatever we create, let's make sure that we can um, either create it in those formats, wave or MP3, or convert it into those formats. And we'll talk about that in a minute. Uh, let's see. So my next question is how many of you, and and I love this because nobody's really able to answer, but how many of you are aware that you can actually create audio content or put audio content on the talking book player? I'm hoping that you all are. Um, the, The reality is that we can put these files on either a flash drive or on a digital talking book cartridge. Let's go to slide number six, where we talk about creating your own recordings. So to begin with, so first of all, I think it's important to know that, yes, you can. I mean, you could put music on a flash drive and then play it on your talking book cartridge. You can put any one of these things, uh, as long as it's in that file format, it will play on the talking book cartridge. Let's take a look at how we can do that first. So here are some of the programs that I tend to use, and they're pretty accessible. The first on the PC is called Audacity, and Audacity is a free program, and I also believe you can get it for the Mac as well. And it's it's um, it's a, a full-featured audio program, so it can be a little it's It's got more bells and whistles than you might need, um, but it's great because you can convert something into an MP3 file. The next one is one that works really well with an Android phone and I use this one a lot. It's called HiQ and that's spelled HI-Q MP3 Recorder for the Android. There's a free version of that and then there's a pro version and I'm pretty sure I've been using the free version forever the, the Pro version is just a couple of dollars. The, the reason I recommend this, and this one too is pretty accessible, is that natively it records to MP3 if you want it. So basically all I do is push a button and it's recording as an MP3 file, which is really handy. Um, the other recording uh, app that I use a lot is Voice Record Pro for iOS. And again, I this is a paid app and I think I did pay for this one. This one has a lot of great features. It can be it it can be a little bit complex, but it's it's manageable. The great thing about this one is that you can export to MP3, but you can also export it to um a file format that you can use with YouTube, which is kind of handy. And we're not going to go into that a whole lot here, but it's just one of the nice features. So uh, Audacity, HiQ MP3, and Voice Record Pro are some really good ones to have in your toolbox. The next thing that I'm going to recommend is a website called Zamzar.com, and I'll spell that. It's also linked into the PowerPoint. It's Z-A-M-Z-A-R dot C-O-M. The really cool thing about Zamzar, and this one too should be in your toolbox, is that you can pretty much convert any file into any other file. And let me just give you a couple of examples. I mean, a simple one would be, for example, any of you folks who are using an iPhone, um, I'm, going to, I'm going to forget the file format now. It's called an M4A. So if you're using Voice Memo on the iPhone, which is kind of the, the standard voice recorder, everything gets saved to a file format called M4A. You don't need to remember it. But it's not MP3 and it's not Wave. So somehow or another, if you do the recording, your audio recordings for clients on your iPhone using Voice Memo, you're gonna to need to change them. So the cool thing about Zamzar is you can take that file, you can upload it to Zamzar and have that file changed to an MP3 and there's no charge for it. There's probably a restriction in terms of size, but I'm not aware of it. I've, I've done some pretty big file formats there. The other cool thing that I have done with Zamzar is I've taken a text file um, and I'll talk about this a little bit more in a moment, but I've taken a text file from a blog, for example. For a while, um, I was reading uh, uh, blogs by a guy named James Clear, and they were all text-based, and I realized that for a couple of our um, classes on advocacy, they would be really good blog posts uh, for some of the folks in the center to listen to, and you know, they weren't at a point where they could be doing a whole lot of text reading on their devices. So I took the text file and, um, saved it as word or text or whatever, however I saved it, but as a, as a text file format and sent it to Zamzar and asked for an MP3 in return. And voila, that's what I got. I got an audio file back. Now, granted it, wasn't as smooth. And I did hear some complaints from the students, I'll be honest, it was kind of like an eSpeak speak um, text to speech that's done. But you know, I, I put it on a, a cartridge and people were able to play it on their talking book player. So that's one of the really nice features about the Zamzar um, online service, you can just manipulate a lot of files that way. So let's go to slide seven, please. Okay, so if we're going to use, uh, and, and this is what I'll talk about for a moment, I'm going to talk about the, the talking book player because, you know, I, I think that that really is the least common denominator. Virtually anybody with a vision loss can get them. They're pretty easy to use, and it, can, it could be a really great starting point if you're not already using it for folks, and I suspect that you are. Um, let's take using a flash drive with our NLS, and again, Um, I'm hoping that everybody knows that you can use a flash drive or a thumb drive. There's a place on the side of it. You just pull the cover off, pop the flash drive in, and you can use that instead of the talking book player. So there's a couple of caveats here, and I'm just going to read something briefly from Bard from the FAQs on their website. Not all flash drives are going to work with the talking book player. So you need to make sure that you get one that is going to work. And here are some of the guidelines. They say to look for those without built-in U3 software. And the brands that they've been able to use include um, Dane, D-A-N-E, E-L-E-C, Dane-Elec, uh, Verbatim, Lexar, Sony, PNY, and Kingston. Now, these are all pretty common. I mean, I've seen Kingston, PNY, and Sony's all over the place. You don't need to worry so much about the U3 software. I mean, that's just um, software that, you know, that is sometimes added to these. It's, you know, productivity software or whatever. You want a plain flash drive. And if you have any questions, call the local NLS library and ask them which ones to get. So you want to start out with a plain one. And then they suggest looking for one that's one, one gig to eight gigs of memory. And I've used uh, flash drives that were less than one gig and had no problem. Um, you want to make sure it's going to have enough space to, um, to hold whatever it is that you're recording. Uh, try to steer away from anything above the eight gig because it's, they suggest that this may not work. So here are the advantages to the flash drive. The great thing about a flash drive is that you can pick them up pretty much any place. You can get them at the local um, drugstore uh, uh, or a box store, and they're relatively inexpensive. Of course, the disadvantage with a flash drive for some of our clients is that they're going to be less accustomed to that than they are to the talking book player. So... Um, Moving along to Slide slide 8, the, um, the desktop, or the, uh, the digital talking book cartridge, the DTB cartridge. Um, the DTB cartridge, and again, you may not realize this, but you can certainly get them as blanks. Um, they cost a little bit more excuse me, than the flash drive. um, And they're not as convenient. So those are kind of the downsides. I mean, they're not as convenient to purchase. Like you're not going to be able to walk into uh, the local store and pick up a a talking book cartridge. Um, But, and and the other other downside to them too, is they require a, a rather proprietary cable. It's not expensive. It's like a $3 cable. But It's not something that you're going to find uh, outside of, say, Amazon or uh, Howell's Mobility or one of the places that you can get the cartridges. You're going to have to specifically have this cable in order to transfer files to the uh, digital talking book cartridge. And I'll tell you, um, well, on the PowerPoint, um, I've I've put in Howell's Mobility, a link for, for Jerry's website. And his phone number there, and he's the customer service I've gotten there has been great. He's always been very responsive. His phone number is 586-558-8308. Or I believe that you can get both of them on Amazon. You can certainly get the cartridges from Amazon. So if you're going to use the cartridge, make sure to pick up that cable. The It's called a dongle. Again, the advantages of this are that your clients are going to be used to the talking book cartridge. Um, It's not going to be new to them. The disadvantage is really for you in the sense that it's a little bit more difficult and more expensive to get the cartridge. Um, So you could do it like the talking book library. I mean, if you've got clients that you want to send this to, just have them send it back and you can add stuff to it or send it along to someone else. Um, How this works with, well, it works the same way, both with the flash drives, but the talking book cartridges is that once you have your file formats created. um, So let's say you're doing, um, uh, you've done a lesson and you've created it as an MP3 file. You've saved it on your computer. You connect either the flash drive or the digital talking book cartridge to the computer. It should show up in File Explorer as an external drive. And then literally you just copy the files to that, drag them over however you copy it. And the one thing that I would suggest is if you're putting multiple uh, file form, uh, files on either one of these devices for a client, use an alphanumeric um, naming structure. And that doesn't have to be fancy let's say we've got you know something called file one file two file three just put an a or a one in front of file one a b or two in front of file two and a C or three in front of file three. And the only reason I suggest that is that that's going to be the, the uh, position that a person's going to be able to find them in when they're using the talking book player. So that's just something to keep in mind and make it a little bit easier for um, folks who are using that. Uh, let's see. Let's go to nine um, slide nine, the digital recorder. All right. so um, another thought, and and again, this is one that that, um, I've used in the past, is uh, an easy to use digital recorder, and these have a couple of advantages. Um, Number one, this kind of will take you and your client to the next step, you know, not only are they going to be listening, but they're going to be recording information and keeping information. And two, it it also offers you, I mean, you could send a digital recorder to somebody for some training with it and have a lot of material already put on the digital recording recorder in advance that they can listen to. Now, um, here are two digital recorders, and I'm sure that you've all used uh, others, but these are ones that I've had success with. And again, these are two digital recorders you're going to remember, you're going to want to remember for future reference. One is called a Microspeak Plus, and the other is called the Wilson. Both of them are about $50. Both of them are uh, pretty accessible, and they're pretty simple to use. Um, I have used an Olympus, you know, a a basic Olympus in the past, and used puff paint to um, make it a little bit easier for somebody to use. But I find with both the Microspeak and the Wilson, the Microspeak in particular is, has also got a built-in user guide that's that's easy to use. Um, I just find that that's a really, and it's a little bit more durable than the Wilson. Um, these will both play and record both waves and, and I believe MP3 as well. Um, the advantage, we- yeah. Uh, the advantage to uh, both of these is that they're easy to use. Um, and you can use them for future assistive technology needs. The disadvantage is that both of these are a little bit more expensive than just uh, putting together a flash drive for somebody or uh, um, a digital uh, talking book cartridge. Um, And neither one of them is available uh, locally. I put a link, I believe, on the PowerPoint to LSNS because you can get both of them from LS, and S, but you can also get, I, I think both of them are available from AT guys if you want to go that route. So they're pretty easy to get get a hold of. Um, so that's another a great possible resource, MicroSpeak and the um, the Wilson. So uh, let's go to slide 10 please and here I'm going to give you an example of, you know, one of the things that I did prior to this presentation, but I've done in the past. Um, there's a great book. It's it's really long and it's very detailed um, by Michael Fair. And he wrote a book called Personal Power iOS edition. And that was published online. And um, it, I believe in April or May, I, th- I think it's it's a digital book and it's available in Word. Um, if it were paper, it would be about 700 pages. So he really dives very deeply into iOS. But the cool thing about Michael's book is um, he, he kind of takes a very um, uh, laid back approach to presenting everything you could possibly want to about iOS and voiceover. Um, so unfortunately, it's not an audiobook. So what I did was I, I took a section or two of Michael's book, saved it as a text file um, as, as a, a possible way to um, convert it to audio for somebody who just doesn't have access yet to text. And I went to Zamzar. So actually, I, I copied it. I saved it as a Word file. Um, then I converted it. I went to zamzar.com, I, I uploaded the text file, I downloaded an mp3, and I just, I saved it um, to a website. You could put it on a flash drive, you could put it on a talking book player, um, and there are just so many different ways that you could get it remotely, You'd get it to your consumer remotely. Um, And I just thought, you know, you can you can really do just about anything using that tool of Zamzar, the flash drive and the digital talking book cartridge. Um, So think of, you know, think about some of the things that might interest your client. I mean, uh, Michael's book may not be of of any interest to them at all. But, um, you know, you can you may have somebody who's got a very specific interest in gardening and maybe you could find some blogs for them, you know, whatever it takes to get somebody um, uh, back and involved again, I think is the way to go with this. Um, and the book is free, so there's no no charge for it, um, and the link is in the PowerPoint. And let's go to um, slide number 11. Um, here we're talking about copying content. In, you know, this is the section here where I'm. I'm going to do a little bit of uh, PR for Hadley. You don't have to be. Um, a, a lot of Hadley content now is available on their website, Hadley.edu, and uh, it streams. You can you can download the uh, Hadley Presents podcast. But a lot of people aren't aware, and you will be now, that. A lot of these workshops are also available on the digital talking book cartridge for those learners who just haven't gotten to that point where they're able to use an online source yet. So the way that you want to do that is you can call Hadley Student Services at 800-323-4238. And before you call, and you don't have to do this, you can always ask student services what's available. I just wanted to to let you know that uh, more is available online than is available offline. So you want to check first to find out if what you need is um, available on a talking book cartridge. The talking book cartridges do need to get sent back to uh, Hadley once the learner is done with them. so, for if you want to do a little homework um, yourself, if you go to hadley.edu and you click on the link learn, go down below the six categories there and you'll find the um, search catalog link. Click on that. When you get to search catalog, you can put in something specific like um, some of these workshops are also available in large print or braille. So you can click on any one of those categories. So for example, we're just gonna click on audio now and technology, and that's gonna bring up everything that is available offline to a learner. So um, in the category of technology, for example, you can find the Android and iPhone um, audio files <clears throat> or the uh, the workshops. You can also find the Windows Narrator, um, the MS uh, Office Word and uh, Outlook, and perhaps even more importantly for some folks, um, Bard and Talking Books. So you can get those workshops and actually have them sent right to your learner or sent to yourself if you are the learner, however you want to do it. So I, I guess all I'm saying is that there you don't have to be online, the learner doesn't have to be online. There are ways to get it. Now, um, for those of you who are working with a client who may not be there, you know, again, I'd, I'd refer you back to the uh, the learner who was um, doing it on her computer and playing it over the phone. Um, you could you could also take any one of the Hadley Presents and copy those to a flash drive or a talking book cartridge. There's a lot of ways to get that, that content. You don't have to be creating all of this content. Uh, I think that we can all come up with some really creative ways to create individualized content for some of our learners. But we don't have to. There's plenty of content that's out there that we can. Well, I don't. I don't want to say steal, but we can. We can borrow and share with our learners. So here's a, here are a couple of sources that you might want to consider. Um, Project Gutenberg which has got a lot of books um, um, and and these books are generally the ones that are have are past copyright so they're you know it's great for the classics but from Project Gutenberg there are a lot of mp3 files that are available all you've got to do is download those and you can put them on your flash drive or your talking book cartridge Um, a great resource that i've found in the past is radio reading services and if you're wondering where to find some of these radio reading services and from these of course you know you can get newspapers you can get magazines sometimes you can get books the international association of audio information services and the link is in the powerpoint Um, but you can also go to tunein.com and put in I've, i've done um radio reading services as a search term. I've done blindness as a search term and it will um, share like all of the podcasts that are related so that's a great place to look up a possible podcast to put on the talking book cartridge or um, a flash drive for a client. Let's see. Again you can you can go to Hadley and download the Hadley Presents. Um, The discussion groups that Hadley currently has, you may not be aware, but um, the discussion groups are archived. Now, the, the recent archives, um, a person has to be logged in to get the archive. Not to worry. login is free. It's only a couple of steps. You might even want to just go ahead and log and create a login for a learner if they're not already at a point where they can do this um and once once you've got your login you can save it and then you can go and listen to some of the archives and i think the archives are really a rich source of material um for some of the learners there's archives on gardening um, I do Get Up and Go, which is Recreation with Elise Heinrich, um, there's Tech It Out. So there are a lot of different discussion groups, different topics that people um, might be interested in. And again, these are things that you could play with a client listening. Um, you, you know, there, there are different ways to get this, this material into the hands of, of your, your clients. Uh, let's see. okay let's go to slide 12 and here of course we have youtube we've all heard that you can get anything on youtube and literally you can Um, but how do we do youtube remotely for somebody who is not yet able to access the computer Um, so here's another tool to put in your toolbox and again i've put it uh, as a link from the powerpoint there are tools out there where you can convert the videos into an audio file. The one that I used was called YouTube to MP3 Converter. And there's a bunch out there, so you'll have to look around. This one seemed to work pretty well, didn't have a whole lot of pop-ups, was pretty accessible. So let's take an example of how this might be used practically. Um, There are still some great Hadley iFocus YouTubes out there, and they're, they're, they're primarily for the older versions of the iOS, which people still have, um, and they cover some of the basics. These could be con- converted into MP3 files using that um, converter. Um, another great source that I like is a website called um, Blind Life. Sam CV does that, and he's also the distributor for the blind shell phone. So in addition to the, the different blind life videos on technology that he's done, he's got a whole series of really great videos on the blind shell phone. So anybody who's thinking about using that phone, you know, this might be really appropriate for them. You can convert those videos to an audio and then put them on the flash drive or put them on the talking book cartridge. How do you do that? you select the video and copy the URL uh, on YouTube. Then you paste the URL into YouTube and the YouTube to MP3 converter. And then you simply download the audio. And now you've got your MP3 audio that you're going to put on the talking book cartridge or your thumb drive. So that's a great way. And and, as you know, if you've looked at YouTube, it just goes on and on. There are just so many different um, categories of information that you can find there that you could share and you could create lessons out of so much stuff on, on YouTube. The sky's really the limit here. Um, let's see. And let's go to slide 13 in the field. So uh, a couple of weeks ago, I posted something on the VRT list to see what other people were doing in the field and I heard back from a couple of people regarding what they were doing for remote learning. Um, Bill Bill Hirsch is a low vision and tech specialist at Massachusetts Commission for the Blind. And he has been most of his stuff has been done with Zoom. Um, but he's actually delivering a, some assistive technology stuff to people's homes, not necessarily going in. And um, then he's he's been doing assessments using Zoom. Of course, in that case, like we mentioned before, you've gotta have a helper or somebody there at the house or a volunteer who's able to help with the assessment. But um, Bill seemed willing to share some of the materials that he's developed um, with people. If you wanna look him up, that's um, Bill Hirsch, H-E-R-S-H, and he's at the Mass Commission for the Blind. I also heard from Diane Gray, and she's a BRT, um, Blind and Low Vision Services of Montana. And Diane's email is dgray2 at mt.gov, and I believe that I put that in the PowerPoint. And and she and a coworker, um, I'm just trying to find her name. Melissa Nielsen did an AER presentation over the summer on remote learning um, which I I think had great promise. I unfortunately didn't sign up for it so if you did sign up for it I guess you have access to the recording Um, and I would I would encourage you if you haven't taken a look at it to do so because they shared some of their tips and tricks um, for that remote learning. the older individuals who are blind technical assistance center OIBTAC, which i believe was mentioned in nancy's workshop yesterday they have a great forum they did a live forum sometime in the summer but i've noticed that there are an awful lot of posts that are still available for that and the way i found that was i just did a remote learning forum oib dash TAC put it in, in a web search and was able to find it. Their website is www.oib-tac.org and that will also give you some great resources. Um, and lastly, I just want to mention that we had uh, last year. I did something called Alexa the VRT. Sorry, I probably uh, 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 triggered a couple of these things, but the Amazon Skill Blueprints is a great way to create your own skill. You don't need a whole lot of technical information. Um, I created a skill um, called, let's see, Vision Rehab Facts. You need to enable the skill but once you have it, it's kind of like a game. You could create your own skill, or in fact, you could even use that one if you wanted to as something that a client could do. So there are, I don't know, maybe a couple dozen facts about vision rehab therapists and phone numbers that people could have access to. And it's easy for anybody who's got an Amazon Echo in the house, You know, they may not be at any other, they may not be using any other form of technology but that one's pretty easy for them. And then the other thing that I did using the blueprints, well, I didn't use blueprints for this, but I used—I um, created a podcast that was available on the Amazon Echo. And if you say to your Echo, Vision Rehab Podcast on TuneIn, that will bring up the latest episode in November's was Diabetes Awareness. But it got me thinking that we could all deliver um, some of these things on a weekly or a monthly basis to our consumers who maybe maybe that's all they've gotten to is the Amazon Echo, but it really gives us a lot of possibilities there. Um, so you may want to check that out and um, you can check out the, um, uh, the Alexa, the VRT. I think I've got it on my website, lowvisiontech.com. There's a link there and you can pull up that material and make it on your own. And for anyone who wants to um, follow up with me, you can always find me um, by email at Hadley and that's Stephen K, S-T-E-V-E-N-K at Hadley.edu. And I think it's in the PowerPoint. And I also do a website, lowvisiontech.com. That's L-O-W. V-I-S-I-O-N-T-E-C-H dot com and you can reach me that way. I just want to thank AVRT again um, for the opportunity to do this presentation. And I do hope um, you know anybody who's got some questions or even suggestions, I think it would be great to communicate a little bit more amongst ourselves about what it is that we're doing. Um, let's, let's put it together, you know, just shoot me an email and and maybe I can put it on the VRT list or let's, let's all start using the VRT list a little bit more to share some of these terrific ideas. I don't think this is going to end in the next month or two. We'll probably be doing remote learning for a little while. So any expertise we can develop, I think is, is really going to be beneficial for our consumers. thanks for joining me today on low vision tech topics my name is steve kelly and i'm a certified vision rehabilitation therapist based in maine and today's topic is going to be a copy of a presentation that i gave at this year's association for vision rehabilitation therapists or avrt on november 12th 2020 and the topic was using assistive technology techniques for remote learning. Thanks, and I hope you enjoy it. Thanks so much for tuning in today to the Vision Rehab Podcast. I really look forward to you joining me in future episodes. If you'd like to get in touch, please email me at lowvisiontech at gmail.com and that's spelled L O W. V as in Victor, I-S-I-O-N-T-E-C-H at gmail.com or visit lowvisiontech.com. And have a terrific day.